0: You are listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast, where we explore traditional tabletop and live action role playing games through the lens of horror. A special thank you to our Patreons for helping make this podcast possible. Settle in, Thin Bloods. Grab a drink in your favorite set of dice and let the darkness consume you. Hello, everyone. We have a special edition of the Gehenna Gaming podcast for you today. I'm Ian, one of your regular hosts, and with me today I have Rick. Hello. And we have Neil Latham and Cassie, the creators of. When Shadows Fall, which we recently did an actual play of on our Twitch channel, uh, When Shadows Fall is a post-apocalyptic horror TTRPG. Uh, currently on Kickstarter as of the recording and a- initial airing of this podcast, you should go check it out. And um, it is right up our alley, so we're very excited to be talking with Neil and Cassie about the kind of motivation and. Uh, inspiration behind it so uh
1: welcome hello yes Uh, thank you very much for having us on it's a pleasure to be here so uh, tell me what um
0: i guess what inspired you to make your own tabletop game and throw it up on kickstarter
1: (laughs) um kind of my own nightmares really if i'm, if I'm ever, ever so truthful um it's a dark place in my head and uh and, and there's, there's stuff going around in there that i felt i just had to get out on the, into a game really um originally the the idea for the game was actually uh, it was going to be a post apocalyptic alien horror game um and then it kind of sort of morphed from there really um and ended up becoming more about a supernatural horror um, but yeah i just I was trying to use other systems for it that never really seemed to work. Um, so in the end, I um ended up just writing my own system for it because then I could actually do it get a system to tell the right sort of story that I wanted to tell. Um, and I think the system you know hopefully um, hopefully does that.
2: I think it worked out pretty well. Thank,
1: thank, you. thank you. Absolutely. So uh, what um,
0: I know that, obviously, it's when shadows fall, and the the concept is that power stations are being destroyed by the strange fog drifting across the land a loss of electricity is the least of humanity's problems the shadow alters as it moves corrupting and twisting the earth with its malice and hatred whole communities are gone with their people disappeared or forever mutated um with the seemingly sentient mist has been given many names by the survivors the fog the shadow hell what um what was the impetus behind the this concept of the fog or the shadow?
1: It's really hard to to sort of put it, to sort of put that into words, really. as I say, it was um I was a big fan of James Herbert's book, The Fog.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and actually, somebody recently said that uh, stephen king's the mist is is sort of similar, and I hadn't actually yeah. even read or seen the film when I started developing the game. Um, <laughs> I have since watched the film um, and see some similarities, but lucky enough, my game is is completely different um, and the, the creatures in the fog are, are not, uh, not so tangible uh, as they are in the mist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so the impetus behind it was just, I wanted to create a, a, um, an apocalyptic game. I love apocalyptic games. I love survival, um, horror and things like that. And I wanted to have something that wasn't like your run of the mill zombies because zombies, I think have been done to death really. Um, but the, but the thing I think about zombie films and zombie, you know, stories is it's often about the people, right? The zombies are just this creeping horror that sort of moves across and and, constantly makes the player you know, makes the characters, makes the people in the stories constantly move about. Um, and I felt with something like the you know with the fog, the the, uh, the shadow as we call it, it kind of drives a, a similar story but in a slightly different way. And you can also, because it uh, gets into your mind, then you've got the psychological horror aspect of it as well. Um, and then I'm big fan of Cult Divinity Lost, and obviously that does a lot of personal horror in there as well. So I kind of sort of driven by that sort of desire to have sort of psychological horror, personal horror. And body horror, that sort of stuff in there, um, and so hopefully The Shadow does that.
2: I think it does it pretty well, and I really like the way that you tied in the mechanics that you made for the game. Uh, they loop very well into the narrative with The Shadow, and like you said about how it targets each person individually. Uh, each character has a certain fear or a motivation that kind of keeps them going and i think from a narrative aspect when you're telling a story it kind of guides both the storyteller or shadowmaster in this in, and the players into kind of moving down the same stream at the same time it uh, it just became really seamless when i was running it for the one shot we did and um i think i got to say that's quite a quite a triumph of of making both the story and the mechanics work so well together
1: yeah thank you um i must admit uh you know watching the stream it was really nice to see how you how you use the system uh it was nice it's obviously it helps when i've written it to know that somebody else when they've they've gone to run it have actually sort of played it as it should be um cause often you think yeah you're trying to write it down you're trying to put it into words what's in my head um to try and get it out to the same so it was, it was good to see that that was how you were doing it um yeah, I wanted something that was, because in survival, um, you know, it's not only about the physical fatigue that you're, you have, um, you can push yourself beyond your limits, um, but also the mental side of things, which I think Call of Cthulhu does kind of well with sanity, um, but Again, it didn't quite fit for how I wanted um, things to work for me, uh, for for when shadows fall. So I ended up, it took many iterations. I can't even tell you how many iterations, we're about three or four maybe. But to try and get the mental fatigue and the physical fatigue to work exactly how I wanted them to work, Um, originally it was going to be a a separate um, stat thing that somebody put point, you put points into. Um, And in the end, it ended up becoming a derived stat so that, you know, you can't just waste your intelligence and your willpower um, because your mental fatigue is driven from that. Uh, So, yeah, so hopefully that does what it needs to do um, for the players. And then, yeah, with the fear and motivation, um, again, I'd wanted things that, that can because horror for me, you don't tell a horror story. You tell a story with horror elements in it um so you right. drive it from people's fears like um if i wake up in the middle of the night um and i see a spider on the wall that doesn't bother me but if somebody else that's frightened of spiders sees a spider on the wall that's going to you know, <laughs> drive them to the brink isn't it um they're going to be far more scared so you, you take you know people's fears and you you twist them against them um you know using consent obviously um and, and you, you know, you use that to drive the story, and then hopefully, yeah, things like motivations you have to put things in the game that makes the players want to engage in the story. Um, so if you have motive, you know, each character has its own motivation, um, then hopefully, you can use that as well to try and push the story along the avenues that, uh, that the Shadow Master and the players want to go down.
0: I think that the thing that struck me, uh, the most, both in reading the, the quick start and through the uh kickstarter that was hard to say back to back um (laughs) as well as playing in it uh finally that the biggest thing that i was thinking about the entire time was uh kind of the mental and physical fatigue those that mechanic was always kind of weighing in the back of my head even when the, the things being played out weren't particularly horrific at the time i was like if things go to shit all of a sudden am I going to be okay dealing with them? And luckily my character never took any fatigue,
2: <laughs>
0: which I'm not sure how I managed that, but, um, you ran away a lot. I did run away a lot. That that was, I was like, hmm. that's, that's my the key. I
1: think that's the key. I think mean, there's a lot, of, <laughs> there's a lot of things in, in horror games when, you know, you get that D and D mindset of, we have to kill the big bad. We have to kill it and take mm-hmm. all its stuff. Um, and, I, I get bored of that. I get bored of, oh, yeah. of combat systems that go on for ages and ages and ages. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay fan. I quite like with their fourth edition with the opposed roles. It mm-hmm. can make it quite quick. <laughs> um, it makes that, uh, you know, it makes the thing quite quick uh, with the combat. Once it gets more than three or four rounds, I get, I get kind of bored. Um,
0: so maybe it shows that I'm primarily uh, Call of Cthulhu keeper
1: <laughs> yeah so i've i've run a bit of call of cthulhu and i yeah i enjoy playing as well and that's yeah that sort of thing especially if you if you've seen um cthulhu dark um we're pretty much in that it's if you come against the big bad yep. you're dead yep you you run you're away. Dead. Yep. That's it. so you have to constantly move away from it and mm-hmm. i kind of want a similar thing there but i wanted people to be able to to push their characters um so you can use the physical fatigue to um you know to push your character beyond what it you know what it should be capable of but then yeah you are it's, it's a currency you are thinking about it you're trying to wire it up and you know are you going to be able to push yourself here should you push yourself here or just allow yourself to fail um, and i like
2: how you separated both the mental and the physical uh mm-hmm. currencies for that i think that it was important because you are going to be holding on to one or the other depending on your play style more than maybe someone else. Uh, someone who has a fear going on that seems to be persistent might try to hoard their mental fatigue and because um, they know that they're really just going to have these stressful, scary situations around them until they escape. Whereas, yeah. you know, they might be playing fast and loose with their physical and, like, yeah, I, I jumped over that fence. I'm going to take damage, that's fine. I need to get away from this to save my mental fatigue, you know? It's uh, it's interesting how that kind of works out.
0: The thing that I me, and we talk about this a lot on our both our Twitch stream and our podcast is um, one of the things they changed with the fifth edition of Vampire the Masquerade was moving from a resource to kind of a risk management system, and I think the thing I like is that this marries the two really well. You have this currency, but the more you stretch it, the m- more risk you're taking, just inherently as you move forward in the game. And I really like that.
1: Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, it's your it's your buffer. So, so you know, everybody's got five wounds. Everybody's got five mental wounds. Uh, you know, five physical wounds. But then, yeah, your physical fatigue, your mental fatigue is your buffer to that area. Um, so it's yeah. How much do you use it? Um, and and also. Quite early on, I decided that um, when you're doing physical things, you could also use your mental fatigue to buy down, uh, you know, to get yourself the, the greatest successes for physical stuff. Um, and that's kind of a case of, you know, mind over matter. Because even when your body is physically exhausted, sometimes you find that you can, you know, your brain can get you to, to push yourself beyond the limit. Right. Um, so I had that being able to use that as well.
0: I'm very familiar with marathoning marching, kind of just moving, forcing your one foot in front of the other. So I can appreciate that. So uh, jumping over, uh, I want to first off, congratulate you. The Kickstarter's uh, funded almost 300% of its goal. Which is pretty fantastic. Um, what what made you decide to go with a Kickstarter and kind of do this self uh, self publishing? Because you're kind of managing everything yourself, which is admirable. Uh, I know that you probably could have pr- approached a variety of publishers about this. Um, what made you decide to go with that route?
3: Yeah, that was comfortable to me. I experienced. Um, in publishing through a, a pagan uh, non not-for-profit organisation that I'm part of. So I have contacts in publishing, etc. cetera. So, um, and I kind of pushed Neil to do the Kickstarter because I knew it was good, but trying to convince him that it was good <laughs> was um, <laughs> a different thing. So um, I kind of, I, we were actually playing a Warhammer um, game with a group of friends and um, I, I, Basically, outed him in front of his friends and made him pick a date that we would launch the Kickstarter and <laughs> forced him to stick with it. And went from there. Really
0: well, I approve. First off, <laughs> secondly, um, well, you did a fantastic job with it. I will say, um, running managing a Kickstarter is challenging, uh, even for companies uh, with dedicated people to do it. So, kudos.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's um, hard work trying to trying to sort of manage it. Make sure that you're getting the message out there on everything, um, as well as also trying to um, sort of put the finishing touches to writing it as well. So it's um, yeah, it's been hard work, but um, seeing the numbers go up and see it to, you know it looks like we're going to get the funding. It's um, it's very re- rewarding.
3: Yeah, it's been fortunate because I have a marketing and sales background as well. I've been able to kind of lean on that a bit, so it's um, mm-hmm. it's been quite handy, really.
0: Very nice. Um, related to the Kickstarter specifically, uh, you have, a, you know, a variety of goals for, with hardback additions, dice, um, for some of the stretch goals and things like that. What, what do you anticipate, um, kind of the turnaround being, since you are approximately eight days out, or about a week, uh, as of the date of this recording, do you plan on, do you, do you anticipate being able to get moving very quickly on it? Or do you think, um... Particularly with the state of the world as it is right now, that it's going to be a challenge getting it printed and out to backers? Uh,
3: so, printing's not a problem. Whenever it's ready, we have um, their local publishers to us, um, and they are basically ready to go. Um, Dice as well is not a problem. Um, the pouches are actually being made by uh, a company I run. Um, so, it's, uh, most of that is kind of covered in itself, I think the whole thing really is getting what Neil calls his word vomit onto paper for our editor to <laughs> then fix, and that's about it, really.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> geez, powerful. I think everyone needs a caddy in their corner, and uh, yeah, you might even make an entire <laughs> career out of uh, doing that professionally for people that just love to uh, make little scenarios.
3: Uh, do you know what? It's actually been a lot of fun. More fun than I anticipated. I mean, I'm nervous for him, but uh, in a good way, which is a new experience for me.
0: Very nice. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on regarding the Kickstarter is the art. Um, obviously, the art that you have up is all by Chris Cold. Um and the art's fantastic. How did you connect with Chris Cold and where did, uh, how does that, how did that work? Uh, out?
1: So I, um, I found Chris Cold on a, a website called Art Station, um, mm-hmm. which is very, very handy for finding, uh, for finding artwork. And I was, I had an image in my head of, of the sort of artwork I wanted. I didn't want anything that was too, um, too, too detailed, too, um, you know, you get, you know, the Call of Cthulhu's and your Warhammer fantasy role plays. The the illustrations are gorgeous, um, but sometimes there's almost just too much detail in there. There's too much sort of finite detail. Uh, so I wanted something that was a little bit shadowy, a little bit vague, a little bit, um, you know, impressions of things there. Um, and as I was flicking through the some work in Art Station and, and over the course of a few weeks, I was um, just following various artists that I wanted. I then, um, I sent out a message to a few artists one of those, which was Chris Cold, but I will tell you now of the few artists that I sent out, Chris Cold was the one I wanted to hear back from most, simply because when I saw his work on fog and shadows and all that sort of stuff, it screamed. When Shadows Falls to me, it literally looked like he had been in my head already, and had, and had you know done the illustrations. Um, so I, yeah, sent the message out to him. Um, we briefly sort of exchanged you know what rough cost of of some of the pieces were uh, which enabled us to come up with what you know what we're going to have as our budget for creating the game and uh, yeah he agreed to he agreed to work with me and in fact just as we're talking now I've um, sent a message from him uh, because I sent him a message today Um, so we're just talking about you know when when's the starting date going to be on on getting some work done because um, that was the other reason of doing the Kickstarter is I could you know I was looking the, the Quick Start rules were done with um, a website called Unsplash where you can find royalty free images you can use, mm-hmm. um, so I use those for that. But um, I I don't want to have to do that. You know I want to have you know paid for artwork. So uh, we went the Kickstarter route because. I'm not a rich man, <laughs> um, <laughs> in fact, I lost my job back in back in march, so that was uh, that was painful yeah. um so but that has you know enabled me to have the time actually to dedicate a little bit more to um to put in you know to put in some word uh, as we say word vomit um, which uh, my editor can then pick apart and uh, and get into some sort of semblance of order
3: I will say though when um chris replied to neil the first time he was like a little kid in a candy shop <laughs> he was so happy and it, the artwork there is nothing quite as the shadow as his work so it was it was
0: perfect absolutely the the art was one of the things that sold me on it because I, I mentioned this to you but i will say that this this game just popped up in kickstarter's algorithm for me when i was on there one day um I was like okay it's a horror game I'll look at it because that's kind of what we do Um, and then I was immediately sold on both concept and the art and then getting a chance to talk to you after that I was like okay yep nope definitely interested in this this is going to be a
1: good one yeah I think good art can really make you pick a book up I think if you see a book um, you know you're going to to a role play shop um, or you're at a convention and they've got a whole load of books on a, on a table um, and you're flicking through them. The one that has the good artwork is the one you're going to look at. Um, yep. I've been disappointed by books before. Uh, I'm not going to name any publishers, <laughs> uh, but there's certainly some out there that um, just churn out any old rubbish and don't do it well. Um, and then you're free, you know, your free league, your free Lagan, um, your cubicle sevens and, and stuff like that. Chaosium, they put out gorgeous books and then make you want to read them. Um, you can't just have a wall of text. I think mean, you need art to sell the sell the sell the idea really. Absolutely. We've said this a few times. Yeah. Like
0: you, you have plenty of time to refine the rules and the mechanics and make changes to the text, but you're only gonna get one chance to like put a beautiful book together um and impress people with it.
2: Yeah, it can definitely make or break a product and uh you know, like Neil said, I, I typically select a lot of game books in the same way um, sometimes it's not only just the artwork but if the style fits the the narrative you know, sometimes it's just a match made in heaven, and in this case I think it is
1: Yeah his, his work as I say, it was as I was just flicking through um, I remember having a big big smile on my face when I saw his artwork because <laughs> um, it, it literally was the, what I'd had in my head for it um so yeah and then when he agreed um that was yeah as i said i was over the moon um so yeah it'd just be nice once we get the um get through that end goal um kickstarter can take their percentage and then we can yeah finally um start start sending some of the money to his way to uh, to get the artwork done
0: touching um, on some other topics briefly uh you you wrote on the kickstarter that you got into tabletop gaming in 1991 with Warhammer Fantasy RPG what um what has your journey through tabletop gaming been like uh, is this the first game that you've written or worked on
1: um so yeah this is the the first game i've written and i and i've worked on um, i yeah started in 91 Warhammer Fantasy roleplay um, the olden hall a contract for those that remember that from the back of the first edition um somebody's garage i seem to recall um i even know the date because it was the one year i kept a diary um (laughs) so yeah that's that's in you know indelible in in my head there um from there i struggled finding players and this was obviously pre-internet um so trying to find players was a struggle i was at school um, i was 12 years old and couldn't um, yeah couldn't find anybody to game with the guy that had run it for us we did the one shot um, didn't know it was a one-shot at the time, uh, but yeah, did the one-shot, and then that was it. We never, never chatted again, and and that sort of fell apart. I found then for another friend of mine, um, we, we went to we went to stay at his dad's um, for like a, a sleepover thing, and um, he had a, la- a lodger, and this lodger had um, riffs. I think was one game he had. I seem to remember lots and lots of books with robots smashing robots on the covers of them and things like that. That sounds um, like Rift,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um he didn't play that he didn't run that for us though, but he did run Werewolf the Apocalypse. Oh nice. Um, oh. And I think I was about 13 or so at the time. I was into um horror stuff anyway. And you tell a you know, you tell a teenager that he gets to be a werewolf. Um, and I was I was skipping all the way home after that, I tell you. It was absolutely just <laughs> a wonderful experience we played through the rites of passage um scenario um so when i then that christmas i think i nagged my parents to death they picked up a copy of the book for me um, and picked up the rites of passage book for me um how they managed to find it pre-internet or whatever i do not know but um yeah they managed to get the books for me um and then i yeah read through those and then the following year i managed to drag some players into it. So yeah, ran Werewolf Apocalypse for about a year or so. School, you know, finished school. um, Through college, didn't, um, didn't find any players. So I, I must admit, I went for a few years of not, uh, not gaming. Um, But then in the early 2000s, I'd found another group. And we started playing Vampire the Masquerade. Um, And that was, again, they went the more horror, sort of body horror type aspect of it, because we were playing the Sabbat. And it was they weren't the greatest of players, Um, so I only lasted probably a few months there. Um, I seem to remember one thing: they were literally treating a a drive-through Burger King as an opportunity to grab the cashier and pull them into the car to feed on them. Um, So that was the yeah, that that was what we were doing in that game. Um, That was my one take, you know, my one take home for that. Uh, And then found um i moved to i um, originally from kent um i moved to to the new forest in hampshire uh, with my then girlfriend and found a local group um that ran a convention down that way called conception which is quite a big convention in the south of england and joined them um, played lots of different systems um, and started running games more and more um, and then would also at the convention that they would run in, um, started running games there, um, and started running um, supernatural, um, which you guys will no doubt know of. Um, but oh, started definitely. running, it, yeah, started running it UK based. Um, so rather than having access to all the guns that the Winchester boys would have in the back of their trunk, um, um, yeah, it was trying to defeat zombies with a baseball bat and some harsh words, uh, which I think makes for a little bit more makes it more tense um uh, you know you can draw a little bit on shawn of the dead and stuff like that but um yeah, that's just yeah. what i
2: was thinking of
1: one of my favorite movies <laughs> i absolutely adore it it's my one of my go-to movies but i absolutely adore it it is
3: the legend of a movie uh
1: so yeah so that was that was that run supernatural uk for many many years um dropped out of the um i moved a, a good few times i don't uh, play with those same people now and um <laughs> that's always the way uh, but luckily we've now sort of online play and stuff you can play with anybody around the world um and, and see their faces and uh yeah play that way absolutely but yeah that's my story yeah that's
2: just a wonderful thing
1: That's awesome
0: it's it's kind of funny I, I've talked I've spoken about this several times myself I that's similar to my path through games I started with D&D and then played werewolf and then started playing vampire. <laughs> um, I think,
1: yeah, I think that tends to be the divide as well between, the, um, between you guys in the US and, and us in the UK. You've still get a lot of UK people, especially nowadays, they'll be starting with D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, although hopefully 4th edition Warhammer will be changing that. Um, but you tend to get a lot of people in the States will be D&D. Um, in the UK, there's quite a few people where is their, is, you know was their gateway drug uh, of choice
0: just fascinating. We have some, some good friends we'll have to connect you with who are over there. Um, the Darker Days Radio crew, our big Warhammer fans, we're actually playing, I play in a Warhammer 40k, uh, Wrath and Glory game with them
1: every other yeah, week. I caught, yeah, I caught a little bit of the stream the other day for that, so it was, uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. Very nice. Must admit, I'm more of a, uh, more of a fantasy roleplay fan than a 40k fan, though.
0: Nothing wrong
2: so with that. Do they that. have Do they have a current uh fantasy version of the role playing game for Warhammer as of yet?
1: Yes. Um, they do. Um I think they have the uh, sort of Age of Sigmar thing, isn't it? I think it's the more heroic um end which they've got the the fantasy role play for that. Um, but the tabletop stuff, I don't think they have so much of the war game for that anymore. Um, no, I kind of, of lost track, really, with all of that, um, to be honest. Um, I used to paint the miniatures. I never used to actually play the games. Um, so, <laughs> it's a,
2: yeah.
0: we, we know, people. We know yeah. a lot of people who paint many minis and never use them. Yeah. yeah. Cassie, what about you?
3: Oh, my story is not nearly as intense. <laughs> <laughs> I... Have not been playing that long, actually. Neil um, got me into it. I so I've always been kind of a, a geeky, girly, geeky sort of thing, but um, I thought TTRPG was a bit too geeky. But um, he wore me down with all of his podcasts, and eventually I agreed to to play a game with him, and that's it. Then now I'm obsessed. <laughs>
0: that's that's how it happens. <laughs>
3: But you get worn down. Yes, <laughs> you play once and then
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, I introduced her to uh, to woof her up, um obviously with a fourth edition, though. So, but it, it feels like it's sort of yeah, sort of come full circle. I managed to introduce my other half to the game that started me off on it. Very nice. Um, so she's yeah, she's enjoying that, and um yeah, and we did uh, when shadows fall the other day as well, which is she's not normally a horror person. Um, so she was, yeah, getting quite scared but that. It was quite good.
3: I mean, I don't even like Jaws. So this is—he <laughs> watches a horror movie when I'm not in the house. That's 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 where that's I fair. am with that. So I don't I don't do horror. But we've been listening to. Um, so he plays a cult game on a Tuesday night. So I've been listening to him play that, and then the Call of Cthulhu podcast thingies, mm-hmm. and yes. Yeah, yeah, so there's true. lots to do. I need I need to find my own group of friends that are no Neil though.
2: <laughs> it's charming, well, you can always post in our yeah, post in our looking for group and see uh, what you can find on our. I Discord. have to, yeah. And we need more people like Neil to uh, to wear down non-believers and uh, just be <laughs> persistent. That way, we can have more yeah. wonderful people like Kazzy, uh in the ranks here.
3: Oh, he's very good at wearing you down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So jumping back over to When Shadows Fall, it, I, I want to ask, and, you know, obviously this is a little bit of a loaded question since you just launched the Kickstarter, but uh, do you plan on producing more material for it once you release this core book?
3: Funny uh, thing is, <laughs> Neil wasn't too keen on doing anything outside of the UK until you lot played it, and now he <laughs> wants to do a US source book.
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> Because it is one of those, you know, you're right what you know. Uh, you know, I know the UK. But also because we're an island, it was it, Not really, – I'm not going to say easier because it's still hard work. But it's – we have a finite timeline. If you imagine there's a shadow creeping across the land, um, there's only so much land it's got to go. Um, <laughs> yep. And quite quickly, it's going to run out of land. Um, and, you know, you can only go three miles in one direction before you hit the sea. So – you going north to south um so it was having you know that was gonna be it, and you know before the Kickstarter was gonna run i I had a half an inkling or a half a hope that it might actually fund, so I hadn't really thought beyond beyond that to be honest, but now it's it's looking like it's it's obviously gonna be very successful a lot of people are um you know are quite passionate about it already, which is really really good to hear, and obviously you guys seem to like it as well. So with that in mind, um, once we've got the core book out, so no work's going to be sort of, apart from maybe some sort of chats here and there to some people, um, once we've got the Kickstarter out, once we've got the books out to everybody, um, then it'll be a case of looking at, uh, it's probably going to be a US source book. Um,
3: Yeah. I mean, we kind of thought, I think, at the beginning that it was going to be a UK niche base, but I think forty, about 40% of our backers are actually american so we're um a lot more open to it uh being out there now because of course the shadow would be
1: <laughs> and
3: if you can enjoy that then yeah
1: yeah and, it, and, the, and i made it sort of an isolation thing so you know as it become it's come out it's, it's destroyed all the power and then suddenly our ability to communicate anywhere else has gone so you literally you do not know what it's doing and if it is in any other countries or whatever there's no help coming uh we are stuck on this island and in fact if this, you know something like this did happen to the island you can imagine um you know they might be sort of sending jets over or whatever see what's going on but then no other country might not actually be willing to to help out uh, might just leave us to it um and i wouldn't blame them to be honest <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: but yeah so yeah u.s book i think um there's going to be the two scenarios that I'm chatting with uh, Max Bantleman uh, about. He's a he's a good mm-hmm. writer, um, so he's writing two scenarios with me. Um, with, with, well, he's, not with me. Um, he's writing them in sort of separate separation from me, uh, but with consultation on you know what the shadow is and all that sort of stuff. So he's he's getting sneaky peeks at the book as well, um, and trying to come up with yeah sort of a good couple of scenarios that are going to the idea is that they're going to link in with a scenario that I'm going to write for the back of the core book. Um, so that'll be a, so people have those to run, but maybe maybe a scenario book further down the line. Um, but I think I think a US source book, maybe a US you know campaign or something. I don't know, um, but certainly a source book will be the, the first consideration.
2: We'll be be looking forward to that for sure.
1: Oh yeah, uh, and I and I think also certainly in this day and age as well, uh, you know, I will need to talk to US writers because I'm not going to come up with you know. Um, my perception of of the us because that's going to be very different to somebody else's perception <laughs> of the us that actually lives and you know lives and works there um i've been to the states in a good few times in the most times i've been on holiday i've gone to the states um i do enjoy there um, we're sorry yeah <laughs> um yeah not yeah it's it's an enjoyable country i do love it the people are great um trump maybe not so much let's not let's not go there um but yeah, so I think that's going to be the thing to do. And I think I'm going to have to talk to some writers over that way to um, to get it done properly. Because I think if you're going to do something, do it properly. Awesome. Um, so right. maybe that will be a Kickstarter as well, because I wouldn't want to shortchange anybody. Um, I want people to have a good product. Um, and if I'm going to expect somebody to write for it, I want them to be paid well for it. So, yeah.
0: Of course. What, um, in an ideal world, obviously, uh, with a 300% fact <laughs> core book uh what what else would what other um supplements or materials would you ideally like to work on for when shadows fall
1: So oh, what are you, what's going to come out with the kickstarter or
0: no, no 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 just in general like if you if you were able to focus on this 100 percent, what oh,
1: okay where would you like um, to see it
0: go in the future
1: well i i would love to do a uk campaign um so uh, you know like a free parter or something um, where it takes your character from the moment of the first power station going mm-hmm. um, it takes you from that so you get a slow burn it takes you from that um to the to the end um because in I mean in the book, there's going to be the timeline to the uk's demise, so it is only a finite amount of time before the uk' is lost um so I think a campaign that takes you from that beginning to that end um, and how you survive through that if you survive through that, I think would be, would be very enjoyable. Um, and I think I don't, I don't know if I could do that in one book. I think that might have to be a sort of a multiple book arc, um, to be able to tell that story properly and then have it done properly with, um, you know, like old fashioned maps and things like that. Um, you know, sort of handouts and stuff, maybe a box. I don't know. Um, that's a tough question really. Um, but yeah, that would probably be my main main one I'd want to do.
3: I mean, to be nice. fair, when we started Kickstarter, the, the only thing we wanted was to get this book out. Everything was so yeah. hard. It's been a, oh, my word. Of
1: course. Yeah. And part of me was, was wanting just to write it all down because it's one of these things where the idea has been in my head for so long um, that I, getting it out is quite cathartic. Um, it's It's just nice just to be able to type and just get the words out that are in my head um and just feel that the actual weld that i'm um that has been in my head for so long um and and in Copris notes and scribbles here and there that i'm pulling it all from all these different places um and actually getting it into a book uh, and get it out to put into people's hands and especially where it's been so well received um i can't wait for people to actually get the final book and see what they do with it
0: i know like like i mentioned before we uh started recording i'm very much looking forward to adding this to my list of games i run for people at conventions and whatnot so it'll be great yeah. to run it yeah. and keep in touch and talk about how different games go and what how different players approach the game
1: yeah i mean that'll be yeah that'd be absolutely amazing to see people you know to hear hear of other people running it um see people running it well, obviously with the the advent of streaming and things, um, being able to watch a you know a live stream um, mm-hmm. of a game being played is great as well. Um, I tried as well during, the, during obviously during this, uh, the the stream. I was not trying you know I was trying to sort of just chat briefly, but not try and get in the way. I didn't want to be going oh I wouldn't do it that way or i will do it this way or that's not quite how I meant that or you know. Um, so it's very much a case of you know what, I think once you write something as well and you get over to people, it's it's theirs you know uh you, right. you, you've got to create something and then you hand it over to somebody else and, and, and as it says in the book you know uh, certainly with, where it goes to rules you know you 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 chop and change and you, you make that game yours um so it's really interesting to see your your twisted take on it uh rick
2: oh thank you i was gonna say it's <laughs> gonna be like watching your kid go out in the world and do something unexpected right
1: it's it's the, yeah it's that moment of um, you know they're on you, know, you you're pushing them with a the push bike and um, they're, they're no longer using stabilisers and now you're, you've let go <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: and you watch them go down the down, down the pavement and you hope they don't crash into a wall. <laughs> 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 or if they do, it, they do it in a spectacular fashion, <laughs> and everybody cheers and enjoys it, you know, for the horror that it is. Um, yeah.
3: Like our three-year-old who gets up and then puts their thumbs up.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, so we got yeah my, my littlest, issue uh, yeah she'll fall de- she'll fall over, get up, and put both thumbs up, like she's some sort of stump, stumped uh, person. It's quite funny. <laughs> I feel
2: like nice. me you got to show off at the end, you know
0: yeah So Rick, I'm going to ask you a question actually, having run it now, uh, yeah what are what's your main takeaway uh with regard to when shadows fall, and like what would you? what would you like to see uh, or do next with it as a GM?
2: Hmm. What I would like to do with it next? Uh, well, I, I think I would continue... I think it, it suits a chronicle where you're moving from setting to setting really well. If I were to do a campaign, it would likely be that kind of journey. Um, although I'd also like to see... It'd be tough because it's hard to have a city source book in my mind for something like this because it'd only be a matter of time before the shadow kind of fell on that place and destabilized it. But I don't know. Um, It's set in 1995, so it's a little rough to be like, oh, you know, there's a lab under the ocean or something that wasn't affected, uh, or submarines. I'd like to see some of the other real world applications, like how people of different faiths are regarding this and how they're freaking out or, you know, maybe there's a character archetype. That's like a doomsday prepper or like uh, the guy with the end is near sign, you know, Um, just some weird things like that, because this is a, it's great. It's, it's so true to life. Especially with, like I said, the fear, motivator, the fatigue, the way you push yourself. And um, so I think a little bit of that, I loved the monsters that he that you would put in the quick start with, with the uh, Reaper and the Banshee. So those are great ideas to take and twist in a way that would represent someone's fear. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to see even more of those. Um, but yeah, as far as what I would do with it, I would... I would kind of take this concept and try to run it in as many varying scenarios as possible because I think it has a lot of story potential.
1: It, it I think, it definitely suits a um, a road trip, and that's why you know having it set in the U.S. as well is 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 a quite a good thing because you've got so expansive land. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have it turn up in one area and not necessarily all areas, um, then you can kind of have this sort of creep as it moves across the land. Um, and then you're just constantly heading west or heading east or whatever direction, and just trying to keep keep one step ahead of it. Um, I think it works very well for that.
2: I think with the current political landscape and our own frustrations, I would love to have a one-shot where survivors on a road trip show up somewhere, and people do not believe anything they say about it, that there's a fog, mm. or uh, the shadow, that they just haven't seen it, they don't buy mm. it, like, these people come in and they're like, no, we've been to these places and they just think you're full of crap. And yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the people we see nowadays who are not, oh, there's no pandemic and then they get sick, you know? I I would love to see just a, a community of people that were so stubborn that they've just done nothing, you know? Yeah.
1: I think That's
3: that a would, very, yeah. very plausible story. We're gonna say the same thing, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah and there's no reason why i mean i set it you know i've said it in the 90s again it's it's um you know it's right what you know um and it's it's a nostalgia thing um i was a teenager then um so you know sort of drawing all of that sort of stuff and um and that lack of technology but then it's post apocalyptic so your technology is taken away from you anyway um so there's no reason why you couldn't do it um in the in the current climate mean, um, and you have this thing where um, parts of the internet go down, obviously as, as sections of the of the US go down, or wherever you decide to set it, um, and then have it so that you know, there's sort of misinformation coming out, and people going, "Oh no, that's not that's not a thing." You don't need to, you, we don't need to worry about that, as they get swallowed by the shadow. Yeah.
3: yeah, I have a right. lot of love for um, like the 1920s era, so I'd like to see it set back then and mm-hmm. see how you cope with it back in that
1: time because that'd be an entirely different scenario as well yeah yeah i mean eventually um in fact that 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 actually brings me to an idea that i had in my head that i never even told anybody that which was um of having the fog the shadow was actually caused um, by world war one um so the constant shelling um in you know in in france and in belgium um, caused um, sort of cracks in the earth and the shadow to come up out of the ground, and that was originally going to be the shadow. Nice, um, but then I shifted it to nineteen. Yeah, shifted it to nineteen nineties. So yeah, um, maybe that could be a different, a different timeline version of it. I could do. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I was going to say it would be interesting to see this run, even if it was um, Desert Storm or something like that. Uh, if it was set in the nineties and the shadow shows up during, you know, a conflict on a battlefield. And mm-hmm. people, you know, go into a new area where conflict has been and they're not sure if the enemy is still there yet. And they see things, you know. But you come back and you report your findings and people just don't believe you. They think it's a all an effect of the battle itself or maybe they think that you're just fatigued. Um, there's a lot of cool scenarios you could you could take with this. and and apply it to so that that's really what i'm interested in um making different scenarios for this for
0: oh yeah this won't come as a surprise to anyone but i would definitely be interested i would probably run something along the lines of a doomsday cult that is worshiping the shadow and sacrificing
1: (laughs) people to it i've yeah i've had that that idea more than yeah more than (laughs) once that's um yeah, I think um in the in the call book there is a there is a community. Um I won't give too much away now, Perfect. but um where that um that is going on. Um I try to I'm I'm not writing um to tell people exactly what to do. Um I'm writing hooks and ideas and because um, um, I don't want to just if you write the entire country not only does it take a while, um but then you've just written Anybody out, out of their creative, you know, stuff, you you you've backed them into a corner Absolutely. and they can't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, so I think some vagueness has to be there. So, um, but there is, there is certainly a community that um, that is thinking that yeah, the shadow is, that, is something else. Yeah.
2: You did that with one of the characters where she escaped from like a very tall skyscraper, and she was literally the only person that lived. Why Emma is that pretty much how you yeah. ended it? Yeah. And I was like, I love this. And I was a little crushed when no one uh, picked that NPC because it was just <laughs> going to be like, oh, you're back. We'd love to cut another another deal with you, you know, sabotage this. Mm. <laughs> I love doing that as a storyteller and seeing how, I don't know, just how far sometimes my players will go to get ahead will they sacrifice the group or you know or will they not I, I like to try and bribe them every now and then i don't know probably cuz i'm evil <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely a game about personal horror and it's um and it very much the inspiration of cult comes into it in that you can use it to drive people against each other um and you know, that um, you can cause people to fight against each other. And, you know, and I think as, as long as you've got the buy-in from the players and that's what they're there for, um, you've got the agreement there. Um, I think that sort of um, cross-party conflict I, I really enjoy. Most of my best experiences in role-play have come from when that's happened in-game. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one, con- one convention, sorry if I'm rambling a little bit here, but I remember oh, no, one, one convention... We were um, it was a on-site convention, so you you know you're gaming where you're sleeping and things, um, and where you're you know where you're eating and stuff. And we were outside the lodge, and I was having a full-blown argument in character uh, with somebody else. I can't recall exactly what it was about now, but it was a proper full-blown argument perfectly in character and it was so cathartic and we literally we, we walked back from there we just had this grin on both of our faces that we'd resolved whatever or we'd caused another issue but it was just it was one of those perfect moments you know um nice. way, yeah i have a, i have a dodgy memory so i don't remember the exact ins and outs of it but uh yeah, yeah. I, I mean the feeling is what i was left with and that. Was that's good.
0: basically how rick and i became friends so <laughs> <laughs> true
3: yeah, Toby was my favourite character because he's um he's just a bit of a not very nice guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed writing Toby. Um, that was quite yeah. Might have been thinking of a certain X when I wrote that he pushed. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was it was so funny when Mark started playing him as because I'm reading it and I'm like oh man this guy is something else and mm. he played it so perfectly it was just like I imagined it in my head. Uh, you know, especially with his evil backstory, where he <laughs> he pretty much threw his girlfriend under the literal bus to get away from the shadow. You know,
1: yeah. And, and I, here and he I,
2: is I, with a group trying to sprout his morality. You know,
1: and that's it. And you, you know, I think we've all known people where you know that th- they probably quite happily do that. Um, and then you got other people that um, you know. If you look at uh, the concept of, of Alicia in there, she wants to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Although she likes to do it, if if she can succeed in helping others on her own, all the better. So she yeah she doesn't mind being part of the team, but um, she gets more of a sense of achievement by doing something on her own for the group, if that makes sense. Mm. Right. It does. So, uh,
0: kind of rounding, winding down if you were going to give people some advice for kind of what to expect or how to jump into this game, what would it be?
1: I think you need to be aware, um, obviously, foremost, most, that it is a dark horror game. <laughs>
0: um,
1: it is a survival game. Um, I think you guys were talking about that it seemed to be aimed more at one-shots and things. Um, but actually I see it more of a campaign play um, because the horror can come into it when you are gathering resources um, and there's a bit more information on resources in the core book. Um, When you're running out of resources, you need to be driving yourself forward to get more resources. You need to get food. You need to get water. If you're not getting those, you'll have conditions placed on yourself. If you have the condition of hunger placed on yourself, um, you then cannot heal physical fatigue. Right. So suddenly oh, you're in a cool. panic because you need to get food. So it's driving that forward. So if you're going to play the game um, and you're going to do a, do a campaign or you're going to run the campaign, you need to make sure that you're driving that home um, and that you need to be gathering resources. And, and And I like systems that force players to go out and do things um, because the story comes when people are trying to do things in it. Um, right. So if, if they would ordinarily want to just drive past the... Um, you know the convenience store there's something funny looking in 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 the convenience store (laughs) and you put that in front of them but actually they've run out of water you've just forced them to go and have to face their fears and to go in there um so yeah it's all about driving it getting the resources um be prepared to to put your fears out there um it's all very, very very well and good to say that your character's right in the spiders it's, it's better to put your character's right in the spiders when you are also um, and have that be part of it um, obviously again with with consent uh, yes. but i think it's one of those things where you'd like to be pushed you know i'm i'm absolutely petrified of heights it's, it's probably a difficult thing to put into the when shadows fall um, but my i literally freeze and my knees go and my knees go to jelly um, and I have real problems with heights, um, so I you know I would put something like that into there so that you'd have the have your character in those sort of situations where you can pr- imagine yourself being there and and trying to face those fears
2: mm-hmm. yeah i'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I noticed uh characters had food and things like that, but in the quick start, i wasn 't sure how it worked, so I just kind of skipped by it for the time being but it's uh it's great to know that there are certain limitations on things like healing and uh and the like and that that is another driver for story and risk uh yeah
1: yeah you, cool. have there. you know it is a um because in any sort of post-apocalyptic world it, it does become about resources uh, water becomes very, very important. Um, um, petrol, obviously, gasoline for you guys, uh, but yeah, petrol, um, diesel, stuff like that. Um, you need to gather that because you need to run um, generators if you need power. Although don't run them for too long, because then um, a certain something will start coming after you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it does become about um, yeah the gathering of resources.
3: Yeah, it's learning to separate, I think, from a, for the likes of Warhammer, going out, killing all the monsters and stuff and just learning it is very, very, very much a survival game. And if you want to run a campaign, it's maybe perhaps to ease up on the rolling and not be afraid to run and pick wisely when you're going to spend your fatigue because you know um the way that it is set up in the full core book mental fatigue's a lot harder to get back than physical fatigue you know you can rest and get your physical fatigue back mental fatigue takes a summit a bit more special and it's it's a there's a lot of calculating involved and surviving which is you know exactly what it's about
1: yeah that was a good definite um reason for writing but the, the sort of mental fatigue of it's a slower um you get it back from doing motivation and doing things that drive you uh, but actually it comes back a lot slower in rest as well um than physical fatigue so you can yeah you mm-hmm. can heal your physical up but you know you ask any military person you ask anybody that's come back from a war zone you ask anybody that's been in an abusive relationships those mental wounds take a long time to heal um so yeah your mental right. fatigue um is a is a slower um a slower you know it's slower to come back right right you can also uh, in the core book there is um conditions so that if your mental fatigue does go past that broken point um you can pick up um things like um anger issues Mm -hmm. or um uh, you know other sort of psychological issues that will, paranoia
3: uh, paranoia,
1: I mean. other things there, and there, there'll be permanent scars on your character so suddenly you'll get all your mental fatigue back you'll get your um you'll heal up all your other you know the other mental wounds but you're left with paranoia and, right and that won't you, you won't get that back you won't get that out of right. that, that that's that's now a scar you bear so right. there are mental scars in the game that you can pick up
0: love it that's fantastic. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. you, you, you
0: mentioned something that made me think of another question. Uh, what's, what kind of research did you do uh, diving into this game D- to both inform kind of how you structured the world and the, the shadow overtaking it, but also just um, the survival aspect of horror?
1: Um, so... A lot of research, watching films. <laughs> yep. um, love, love, yeah, love movies. Um, Twenty-eight days later, um, Zombie Land. If you like a bit of humour,
3: yep. um, <laughs> history as well. So <laughs> yeah, you like yeah. the psychological side of history?
1: Hmm. Um, yeah.
3: Uh, Wars and
1: yeah, things like that. Um, Books wise, I say James Herbert's The Fog. Yep. Um, I hadn't read The Mist at the time. I still, have, still haven't read that. but uh, So that's, yeah, that's not, not an influence as such. Research-wise, um, yeah, it's really just, yeah, movies. I mean, other, other role-play games as well. Um, because part of when the, the actual sort of setting was starting to solidify itself, and I was starting to write my own system, I was still thinking maybe there is already a system out there that does it, and I can write this as a source book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then approach a, develop, you know, a developer of the system and say, you know, can I write a source book for your system? Um, but in the end, um, even when I was reading other systems, things like Mutant Year Zero and stuff like that, I liked parts of the system and other parts, although are, are absolutely fine and they work perfectly for those games they're telling, they, they didn't work for what I was trying to tell. Um, and for the story I... Um, for the because you know, for, for me, the die system has to marry in with what you're trying to tell right, um, right. so, yeah, I mean cult divinity lost, um you know mutant news zero, um bits of cooler of Cthulhu, um and lots of yeah, lots of movies <laughs> nice. lots of dark movies <laughs> and 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 my own um weirdness and twistedness that goes on in my head, so yeah you know, that's the most important piece not <laughs> supposed to admit that, Neil. <laughs>
0: we do all the time.
1: Uh, I true. think it, you know, part of it is when you get to get to get to my age, and, and I'm assuming you guys are around, sort of probably close to my age. Um, you, you get to the point when you're like, you have to just be true to yourself in the end, and you can't you can't hide it anymore. Yeah. So you know, just embrace it.
2: <laughs> I like I like to try and tell people to do that anyway, just because you're going to live a much less
1: Stressful life you know yeah yeah definitely i used yeah. to i can remember years and years ago uh, people say what do you do you know what are your hobbies and i would never mention role play games um, and then it got to a point when i was just like why am i not telling people that i'm into this so i just ended up i'll just say it um and it, <laughs> you know it's just embrace it really
3: yeah, and then you find more we're- people are into it, and then you realise they've all been hiding it. Yeah.
1: yeah, you end up Oh Yeah, we do that, and yeah, because yeah, they're they're being quite about it as well. So I would just shout it from the rooftops, and I'm, yeah, I'm very proud who I am now. So, yeah.
2: It's a uh, it gets weird when people like start questioning you that it's on a resume. <laughs> like,
1: what is this Gehenna <laughs> thing?
2: And we're like trying to explain it to non nerds, and they're just like, okay.
1: I was listening to your most recent podcast, actually, and you were talking about, uh, yeah, going for job interviews and things when it's mentioned. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, I, I put that sort of stuff on, on those now because I think not only it, get, it might get a conversation going, um, but I'd like to think it wouldn't hold, you know, um, hold me back for a, a position. Um, mm-hmm. So it is on my CV.
3: I mean, you work in IT, so most of them are kind of geeky anyway.
1: It's <laughs> yeah. very true.
0: Rick, any final questions?
2: Um, I love this game, and I would love to write more of this game scenarios, because it's so much fun. Uh, so I'm just super excited for the book to come out at this point. Absolutely.
0: Thank you. Fantastic. So uh, obviously, we've mentioned that you can find this game as of the recording of this and the airing of it on Kickstarter. It's When Shadows Fall. But uh, where else can people find you online?
1: Um, okay, so my um, my Twitter handle is at Um seven. That's L U S U S N A T U R A E seven. Or um,
3: or you could do the game uh, Twitter, which is yeah. full RPG, which is yeah, considerably yeah, really easier. <laughs>
1: we'll put both on RPG the show notes probably, but yeah <laughs> yeah at full RPG is probably a little bit better um there is the obviously the kickstarter when shadows fall um there is a website which is when whenshadowsfall.co.uk but it's a very sparse there's just an image um and coming to kickstarter so we need to do more with that uh, we're on discord. uh yes we're on uh, yeah we're on discord so um if you guys put that on the show notes as well um everybody's welcome uh, and we're always interested in feedback from the quick start rules. And if people are running it, please um, feedback um, uh, their thoughts. Um, Facebook. Yeah, we're on uh, yeah, Wed Shadows Fall RPG on Facebook.
3: And we have a group right. on Facebook as well. Nice. A group and a page, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's the Wind Shadows full group. Sorry. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the social one. This is Kazzy's uh,
3: domain. <laughs> like you said earlier, everyone needs a Kazzy. He certainly does. There
1: you go.
0: Fantastic. So, well, uh, congratulations on the successful Kickstarter. Since it's already past its goal, and uh, we're, I know i backed it, and Thank we're, you. we are very excited to get our hands on it once it's f- finalized. And hopefully once it is and you have something else in the works, we'll have you back on. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com, on Twitter at GehennaGaming,
1: twitch.tv slash Gaming. And patreon.com slash gaming And remember, the shadows are coming home.